So we're going to have a good time today. If you're brand new to Oceans Church, my name's Mark. My wife's name's Rochelle. This is Oceans Church. And every week we open up the Bible. We try to do our very best to lead God's people and to feed God's people. I think great pastors lead well and feed well. That's always my aim is I'm like, God, help me to lead these people well, to love them well, and to feed them well. I think healthy sheep will bring other sheep around them. And uh, most people, I think the greatest advertisement for a church is a transformed life. Part of why this church is growing is some of you were like Christians, or maybe you, you went to church as a kid, but you never had transformation in your life until you started coming here. And all your family members are like, dude, what happened to you? I love it. We have some crazy things that happen. Uh, I, have, I have a funny story I can't tell you right now, but it's, it was awesome. Um, it's thoroughly blessed me. Basically, a parent was freaking out because their kid was no longer the same. <laughs> Our kid just wants to pray and love Jesus all the time now. What happened to my kid? I'm like, well, that's called Christianity. It's called being red hot. We have a world that's familiar with lukewarm. And I just love that we have a church that's on fire for God. Amen. Sorry. Well, I'm excited. It's going to be a good day. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Haven't met you yet. My name is Mark. I'm so glad you're here. I'm pretty normal. I, I, like to have, I like to have a good time. I enjoy snowboarding and long walks on the beach. <laughs> like reading a good book. Enjoy uh, a, a clean, funny comedian. I'm um, pretty, pretty normal guy. But when it pertains to the, to the church, when it pertains to the presence of God, I think the greatest thing that, the, that we can give the world is an atmosphere charged with faith. That other people can experience what we've experienced. So that's why I preach the way I do and talk the way I do. Uh, today, if you're brand new to our church, I'm going to open up to Matthew 17. I'm going to read a familiar passage. You've been in church for a while. You've heard the story probably about the Mount Transfiguration. It's when uh, Jesus went up, brought his favorite three buddies, Peter, James, John. And it's this wild church service. Just It's a small service. Just a couple people there, but Jesus was there, and all of a sudden, his clothes were bedazzled and white. Uh, Moses shows up. Elijah shows up. And the voice of God the Father audibly shows up in a cloud. It's wild. Peter's freaking out like, dude, this is good. He's like, let's build some churches. And, and Jesus is like, dude, you're missing the point. Dude, just come on, focus. Peter, focus. But I don't ever thought about this. There is nine disciples that missed that moment. You want to talk about FOMO. Who would, who would feel like you just missed out a little bit? Like, can you imagine? I'm sure Peter bragged about it. Can we be honest? Peter came off the mountain, and he's like, hey, guys, hey, nine, come on over here. <clears throat> Not a huge deal, but um, Jesus basically turned into like an angel in front of us. It was like Roma Downey in that, show, that TV show. It's like light came on. I'm totally white, bleached out. And uh, not a huge deal, but Moses was there. Elijah showed up. I mean, he didn't miss out very much other than everything. And I bet the nine probably felt a little bit left out. But we're going to read the story. And uh, I want to talk to you about a subject. It's hard to teach on, to be honest with you. It's not an easy subject to, to impart to your church. But every year we've taught on it, I've seen our church rally around this. And every year we've done this, it's changed our church. You guys ready to go? I want to talk to you about your favorite subject, fasting. Man, this guy better be good. Because I'm already hungry. Um, we're going to have a good time today. But I'll do my very best to teach you why I think you should be hungry enough to fast. 
you're taking notes today, here's my title. Too hungry not to fast. You guys get that? Spent a lot of work on that title. Just felt like you didn't appreciate it very much, but... I forgive you. Let's keep going here. Uh, it, so it says this, verse 14, uh, chapter 17. The story's also in Mark 9, Luke 9. But it says this, when they came off uh, the mountain, the multitude, there was a multitude there. And a man came, a father kneeling down to him saying, Lord, have mercy, tells Jesus this, have mercy on my son. For he's epileptic, he suffers severely. And he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, the nine that were left here, but they could not cure him. Jesus answer, notice what he says here. I've never really thought about this before. And again, I've taught this passage once or twice in our church, but I've never seen it this way. He says, oh, faithless and perverse. I think the two killers of power in Christianity is faithlessness and perversity. You show me churches that have no faith and have lots of pornography addictions. I'll show you churches that have no power. There is something about purity and faith that welcomes the power of God in. Are you hearing me today? And so he says, oh, faithless and perverse, distorted generation, how long will I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. Say with me, the demon. This is interesting. I know that some of you, like, I don't know if you believe in demons or not. They are real. And yes, we're not scared of them. Well, why aren't we scared of them? Well, couple reasons why number one jesus could take on everything created by himself says that when the demons fell one third fell so mathematically if one third of the stars fell at lucifer's falling that means there's still two thirds of the angels that are for us so for every demon that's against you there's still two angels that are for you but let's just throw math aside because math's never saved anybody can i get an amen the good news is that even if all of them fell that day, Jesus is strong enough to, to annihilate all of them. He speaks to the demon. Psychosomatic situation here. He's got epilepsy. And it's crazy that he's actually demon-possessed. And he speaks to the demon. And it says, when he rebuked the demon, he, he came out. The child was cured that very hour. I don't believe that all sickness is spiritual. But I do think that some, spirit, some sickness can be spiritual. Can I get an amen? Bible builds a pretty intensive, extensive case about that. So he comes out. The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Say it with me, unbelief. This means little faith. For surely I say to you, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, be moved. And it'll move from here and there. And it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. This is a little caveat he throws in the end here. Verse 21, he says, um... Oh, by the way, however, this kind, this kind, whatever this means, this kind does not come out except by prayer and, I wish you just said prayer. Can we agree? Can I just vocalize for every Christian that's ever lived? Like, we want to see miracles. Just pray. All right. But he throws this little extra word in there, prayer and fasting. And everyone's like, oh. They don't, look, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Jesus builds a case that certain things only happen when we learn how to fast. I think that some of the absence of the reality of God's presence in the world today is not a byproduct of God's lack of power, but our lack of willingness to fast. I'll build a case for this today. Too busy not to fast. You ready? 
too hungry not to fast. Worked hard on that title. Can't mess it up. Let's pray. Lord, we just love you. We honor you. I pray for the next few moments here today, you would meet with your people. I pray whether we're agnostic or atheist. I know every week we have people that are like that. We're so glad they're here. I know we're teaching on something that's really for your believers. But I pray today that you would show them the value not only in the spiritual discipline, but I pray that you would show them the spirit of the disciplines. I thank you, Holy Spirit. You're the reason why we're hungry. You're the reason why we're thirsty. You're the reason why we devote ourselves to you. God, it's your goodness that leads us to want to change the way that we live and think. Today, would you reorient our appetite? Would you refocus our eyes? Would you ignite our faith? We need you today, Lord. Do something special in our life that we could tell our kids and our grandkids about. In Jesus' name we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said a hearty. Amen. Man, I don't know if you've ever been in a, uh, a moment before uh, that you've panicked, that you've panicked. Uh, you ever had a panic moment? Uh, I know everyone's probably had one of these before. Uh, you know the panic moment when you realize you have to go to the bathroom and you're not in the beginning or the end of Ikea? You ever have that moment? Like I'm in the middle of the Swedish maze. Not sure if we're going to make it. Just a moment of panic. I've had moments of panic before. I was thinking specifically uh, about instances. I'm a pastor, so I get invited to things. You know, people are kind. You guys are so kind. Thanks for being kind. <laughs> I get invited to things. Uh, a couple of guys invited me to go deep sea fishing. Uh, mind you, I'm not a fisherman. I mean, I, I fish for people, but not fish. Um, so I really know nothing about fish. I've, I've caught maybe a couple fish in my whole life. Uh, little fish, nothing to brag about. I don't know, guppies, is that the right word for it? Like some of your koi pond fish look bigger than what I've caught. And so they're like, we're going to catch 200-pound tunas. And I'm like, you know what? Tuna sounds good. And so uh, I went on this boat, and uh, I thought, man, I'm going to catch a tuna. And lo and behold, they gave me the pole first. Uh, I didn't get to see anybody else catch a tuna. I didn't get to study anybody else's form. I had no expectation of what it takes to catch a tuna. Basically, the captain comes over to all of us and says, look, when you hook up to the tuna, you can't stop fighting it. You got to focus. You got to reel. You can't let up. It'll get off the moment you stop reeling. And I'm like, okay, okay, coach. <laughs> and they catch this huge tuna. They give me the pole. And I'm like, I'm about 30 seconds in. I'm like, Mike Tyson's on the end of this line. He's in better shape than I am. He's been trained. I haven't. I catch guppies, not tuna. Fish ends up getting off. I get rebuked by the captain. I'm like, I'm not prepared for this. He's like, I gave you the talk. I'm like, I'm not trained. I need training. It reminded me of a story. I pastored a, a dirt bike racer, one of the best in our state in Idaho. He's a super cross racer, and he let me ride his bikes. I'm an okay dirt bike rider, nothing, nothing great. But I remember riding with him. We're riding some trails in Idaho years back, and... Um, I'll never forget, I'm following, his name's Ben. I'm following Ben, and we're on a family ride. His little nephew's there, and so I feel safe that it's not just me and a pro. Come on. So this is a family ride. And so we're doing good. We start, Ben starts climbing this hill. It looks like it's family friendly. And he kind of deviates off the trail, and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to follow like I have all day. I'm going to follow Ben. He's not going to lead me astray. And Ben starts getting on this trail that I'm like, this is not a family friendly trail. This trail is satanic. And I'm like, I'm starting to freak out. You have this moment of panic. I'm like, I'm going. And I'm like, I'm committed. I'm either going to crash and mess up his motorcycle 
or I got to just stay focused on him and try to do what he's doing. But I realized that I can't try to do what he's done if I haven't done what he's done. I don't know who I'm preaching to in here. It's hard to play like LeBron James if you haven't practiced like LeBron James. Like a, a jersey, come on, and a, and a pair of tennis shoes does not make you LeBron. And I had this moment, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going down. Like, I am not, I have, look, I'm riding like Ben, I'm on Ben's bike, but I don't have the years of training. I have not done what Ben's done to do what Ben's doing. Does that make sense? When Jesus looks at the nine, and they're like, why couldn't we get rid of this demon? Because just seven chapters earlier in Mark 10, 8, it says Jesus sent his disciples out two by two to lay hands on the sick, to evict demons. They've already done it. To heal those that are messed up. They've already tasted the power of God. But now Jesus goes on this, this Mount of Transfiguration retreat. He brings his three best buddies. They meet with Moses and Elijah. Nine get left out. They're playing Xbox at the bottom of the hill. And all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door of the church. There's a huge need, and there's no faith. And Jesus looks at him and goes, uh, how long will you try to do what I do without doing what I do? Here's my thesis today. He says, how long will you try to live like Jesus without doing what Jesus did? How long will you try to live like Jesus without the spirit of Jesus? How long will you try to do the miracles of Jesus without doing the disciplines of Jesus? See, we want what the chef creates. We have the same ingredients, but we just don't know how to put it together the way that he puts it together. I thought about this simple idea that he's frustrated because he's basically saying, you're trying to do what I do, but you're not doing what I do. Which is I value the secret place of not just praying, but fasting. I'm with you. I prefer to eat, as you can tell, okay? Like Mark, you've gained some weight. I'm, I'm actually getting in shape for a, a role I'm playing, okay? <laughs> and so that's why I've gained some weight. It's for a, it's for a role coming up in a... It's not. It's just, that's a lie. It's a joke. It's just a bad joke. I, uh, I was thinking about, I, I do like to eat. I'm like you. And I want you to know that I think most of the battle of what you experience in life is how you actually manage your appetite. I want you to think of the simple idea that the, that the fall of humanity happened because mankind surrendered their appetite to the wrong tree. It looked good. Come on. Smelt like Chipotle. This must be God, and they eat of the forbidden fruit. And I'd like to bring your attention that the second Adam, he came, where the first Adam fell in the garden with the appetite, the first thing Jesus has to do to reclaim humanity is he has to overcome 40 days of appetite. Think about this. To actually redeem a fallen appetite, Jesus would have to override his natural appetite 40 days, 40 nights, and somehow in the fast, Jesus gets authority. Somehow in the fast, Jesus gets revelation. Somehow in the fast, Jesus gets great faith. And somehow in the fast, Jesus' heart is flawless. And I thought about how he looks at these nine disciples, and he goes, you're trying to do what I do without doing what I do. And I'm like, I felt like that before. 
trying to catch a tuna. And I'm not a fisherman. And trying to follow Ben Evans on a dirt bike. And I've never spent that much time on a dirt bike. It's hard to do what people do without preparing the way they prepare. We have a generation that mimics performance but not preparation. We have people that can preach like great preachers but not study like great preachers. We have people that can mimic messages but not mimic the prayer closet. We can copy a meal but not know how to cook it in the kitchen. And I'm telling you right now that we have a generation that's burning out because we're transporting water from people's wells that they've never dug. You want to burn out? All you do is transport someone else's relationship with God and try to get water out of their well. When you spend time with God, you dig your own well. When pastors are hijacking other messages and Christians are just taking other people's verses of the day and trying to live this Christian life by hijacking their relationship with God, you're taking water out of their well, bringing it to your life. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. It takes work to dig a well with God. But once that well is dug, it's convenient. But we have people that spend their whole lives walking miles each day trying to get water from someone else's well. Some of you come every Sunday and go, Mark, there's water here. There is. Because Rochelle and I, we've dug a well. Before we had a church, we had a well. Before I went to Bible college, I had a well. Come on, somebody. Not Jonah's well. I had a, a well. Well. And I felt like the Lord said, you know what fasting does? It digs wells. It digs them. Most people never know the joy of having a, a, a well with God because they never know the power of fasting. You hear me today? It's crazy. We miss out. It's like we totally miss this idea. And here's what I heard the Lord say. I want you to write this down. He says, I, I need your stomach because I want your heart. I don't think fasting is about your stomach. I think fasting is about your heart. You lost your first love, there's something about a fast. Brings you back. You lost filling in an area of sin, there's something about a fast that brings you back. You lost a loved one, you're in the middle of deep grief, there's something about a fast that heals your heart. You're in the middle of a break, great need. You lost your job. You're in the middle of a vocational change. What do I do for guidance? There's something about a fast that gets you back on track. I don't know who you are and where you are, but I know this. There is something in the fast that causes things to happen that ordinarily wouldn't happen. How do you know? Because mind you of this, imagine a crowd that was in need of a miracle. They come to the church, nine followers of Jesus. Observation, you ready for it? Those nine followers love Jesus. Those nine followers believed in Jesus. Those nine followers were surrendered to. But they didn't do what Jesus said they could do. Because they did not have an appetite for fasting. They didn't fast when they needed to fast, and they didn't have the power to draw when they needed to draw it. Jesus says, look, you didn't have it because when you don't fast, two things come into you. Faithlessness and perversion. Two things that plague our generation is doubt and spiritual darkness. Why would it be so strong in this generation? Pornography at the click of a button, darkness everywhere you go, sex advertising everything. And how about doubt? 
everyone's trying to logically explain how God is maybe real. If he is real, he can only do certain things. And even Christians are saying, well, God will get you to heaven, but God can't do miracles anymore. And God might save your soul, but the Holy Spirit, he's a little bit of taboo. Don't talk about him. We have believers that believe for nothing. Come to my church and learn the Bible, but you'll never experience the God of the Bible. This is where the church is at? We got dead preachers preaching dead messages to dead people, and we have cities that are spiritually dormant. Where are the people that say what God did then, he does now? But we have to line our appetite with their appetite. We got to get so hungry for God that we're willing to fast. Matthew 6 says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. Listen to me. Fasting is not for Christians and apostles and prophets. It's for believers. It is the secret weapon of the believer. It is the thing that we can do every January to align our year. It is the thing that we can do to strengthen our marriages, chase down our runaway kids, get our families on the right track, get strategies for our businesses, to get spiritual strategies for our cities, and to take back ground that belongs to Jesus. There is something in the fast that creates a power that, listen to me, Jesus lovers, Jesus followers, Jesus surrendered Christians can miss out on. Matthew 17 is a story about a revival that was ready to break out, but the disciples weren't ready for it. So they needed Jesus to do something that Jesus said you can do if you know how to pray and fast. There are some things that won't happen in our church this year unless our church gets hungry enough to fast. I repeat, some things won't happen this year until we get hungry enough to fast. Let me tell you what fasting is not. Fasting is not a diet. Well, I'm just kind of like, I'm only eating green foods, and I'm just smoothing it, and I'm just like, I'm working out only two hours in the morning now, and I read the verse of the day, but man, I'm really fasting hard right now. That's a diet. Fasting is when you give up something you love for something you love even more. Fasting is when you focus time that you normally would do eating or something else, going after something in God. Something in God. For me and Rochelle, every year we fast, the beginning of this year, like we were going to do this week. This week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to have the prayer room open from 10 to 11, 10 to 11.30. We're going to pray every day. One day we're going to pray for, our, for God to be first. One day we're praying for our families. Next day we're praying for our businesses. Next day we're praying for our politics. Are you hearing me right now? We're praying for our cities and for revival. A church that prays is a church that sees God move. And I can tell by this average hand clap that I'm talking to the right people today. I don't want to fast. Neither do I. But I'm so hungry for God to move. I'll do it. I'm tired of hearing stories from my grandparents' generation of how he did great things at Azusa Street and how there was revival in L.A. and how there was a revival in Welsh. And we're hearing rumors of past generations. Job said, I heard about you with my ears, but now I've seen you with my eyes. I believe this is a year of seeing and not just hearing. Sorry, I'm intense. My wife says I get too intense sometimes. Sorry. Just get fired up a little bit. Get crazy eyes, Mark, when you get fired up like that. I'm sorry. I love you. I just get fired up. I think that we have people that are dying physically, spiritually, people that are bound to sin, depression, discouragement. Suicide rates are at an all-time high. People are dying for no apparent reason. All this crazy stuff going on in our world. Where is the church that will bombard heaven? Where are the people that are willing to get so hungry for God that will give them our stomach? 
says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst. They will be. I think that God fills the churches that are hungry and thirsty. I think there's churches that live their whole life without him, and they won't even notice that he's not there. But we're not going to be one of those churches. Let it be said that we fail when God's not here. That we're so hungry for God that when he's not here, we come running to him. We come knocking. Are you hearing me today? I'm telling you that dreams and visions come after we fast. Some of the nightmares of the world are solved, Daniel, after a fast. There's people like Joseph that had a strategy to monitor the economy of the world because he was a man that knew how to fast and knew how to pray. I'm telling you that fasting, write it down, it's an intensifier. It'll intensify whatever you go after with God. It's almost like if God was the city water and there's endless water to your house and your pipes would be your ability to connect with that limitless resource. And it's like life has a way through doubt and perversion to distort your soul, to clog your pipes. Can God do anything all the time? Yes. Do you experience it? No. Why? Because your pipes are clogged. There is something in the fast that declutters the soul. There is something in the, fa the fast that drainos your spirit. You hear me today? I'm telling you that we, we actually get a hold of this, that, that, that fasting prepares you for the works that God made you to do. I repeat, fasting prepares you for the works that God made you to do. You know what he said to them? He says, uh, you can't do it because you're faithless and you're perverse. But if you fast and pray, things will change. So here's what we know about fasting. Number one, write this down. Why are we going to fast this week? We're going to fast because, number one, it will enlarge your faith. Some of you are like, well, what do you need faith for? Well, let me tell you why. Because if you don't have faith and you don't pray and you don't read your Bible, I'm going I'm to be very kind right now, but you're spiritually sick to the point of death. Okay? And I'll tell you why. Because when you're spiritually sick, you lose your appetite. And you know how sick our generation is? We get full off of the verse of the day. How's your walk with God? I'm doing great. I read the verse of the day. And I'm not, I'm not throwing rocks at you. Please, read the verse of the day. But if the verse of the day satisfies your tummy, man, I'm just so full. Man, I read my Bible, but man, I'm stuffed. That John 3, 16 verse this morning, man, I just got scripture coming out of my guts. I just, I don't know, man. This verse of the day is just stuffing me full. You're satisfied with the... Mark, I, I, read a, I read a chapter out of Proverbs today. Look, that's awesome, please. But if you're stuffed after a chapter of Proverbs, and that's like, I'm not just saying like once, you know, once a month. I'm saying if you go a whole year and you're just, you're to the brim overflowing nauseous full when you spent five minutes with Jesus. I want to use the picture of you being married to your wife, and I ask you, how's your marriage? You're like, dude, it's a phenomenal. We say hi and bye to each other every day. Bye. See you later. How's your marriage? Thriving. We talk to each other every day. That's verse of the day, Christians. You're satisfied with one little, little touch. Paul said, I wish you would get off milk so you can eat spiritual food. You're so satisfied with just milk and water. It's like, man, we need to get some solid foods. You know what we need? We need a generation that doesn't, they get so hungry that you would literally, imagine if you would take your lunch break. This is when I was in Bible college, I would take my lunch break when I was fasting 
And instead of eating, I go to the break room, my Bible, put my headsets in, my Walkman. Come on, somebody. I dare you to get with me. Put the Walkman on. Come on, put on some DC talk down with a deep Jesus freak. That's right. And I'm reading my Bible for an hour, and my coworkers are looking at me like I'm an idiot. But I'm like, who's laughing now? They go through storms. Guess what pastor they call? Guess who DMs me? Hey, I know I made fun of you, and we worked at the grocery store together. But I see how God's blessing your life, and I'm going through a storm right now. Would you pray for me? It's funny that the people that make fun of you for being all in will be the ones that run to your house when their house is burning down. It's interesting to me. You know, faith will do it on larger, it, it'll, it, fasting will enlarge your faith. Secondly, it'll purify your heart. I'm not saying you're a, a bad person. I'm saying we live in a dark world that the dust of the earth, everywhere you look, you be the most pure-hearted person in the world everywhere you look. Every show on TV has something wicked in it nowadays. They got to put some nasty couple in there that's doing wicked things and saying ugly things and nasty stuff here and nasty advertisements here. And you're watching, I'm like, I'm watching the kids YouTube with my daughter and the ads that pop up. I'm like, really? We got to put witches and spells and like, really? We live in a world. Listen, if you want to know who's in power, criticize it and find out who gives you the most backlash. Those are the ones that are running the world. And it's amazing to me that, man, we can get stuff off the internet that we don't like, but all the evil things, they're still there. I don't know how we can't somehow fix this problem with fake accounts on Instagram, but we can wipe off everything politically that we don't like. So you're telling me that you can, you can wipe an entire politician right, right off your platform, but you can't get rid of child pornography? Could it be that it's because the wicked are in authority? Why do we fast? Because there's something in fasting that gets rid of the Hamans of the land. Esther called a fast. Yeah, I feel something in here. Jehoshaphat against all odds, he called a fast. Yeah, he called a fast. There's something in fasting. Cornelius goes, man, the Jews are the only one that are encountering the Spirit of God. Let's fast. Peter, during the fast, went to Cornelius' house. Acts chapter 2, the church's birth out of a prayer and out of a fasting meeting. The Apostle Paul, the greatest terrorist of Christianity, in Acts chapter 9, he has his vision gone and he gets launched into a fast. Doesn't eat for three days and three nights. It's amazing that you look at the stories and, well, Mark, it sounds like an old covenant thing. Well, you're a lazy new covenant believer. And that's why you're looking for it to be an old covenant issue. Just like the stingy people that don't believe in tithing because they say it's old covenant. No, you're, you're selfish. You want to be in charge of your finances, so you're making excuses. Tithing existed before Abraham. Abraham was 400 years before Moses. We like to make excuses for the parts of the Bible we don't want to practice. And we make the same excuses when it comes to fasting. Well, it's an old covenant thing, day of atonement thing. No, 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 no. Everyone in the Bible did it. That was close to God. And maybe the reason why you're living off of rumors of God is because you've never had it yourself. And maybe you're satisfied with the wells from my well and water from Rochelle's well because you've never dug your own. I'm not hating on you. I'm just saying, let this be the year. I would love to see, man, oceans have hundreds of wells. David's got a well. David Cook starts leading worship. You're like, yeah, Jesus is here. He didn't dig that well this morning. That, that water's been flowing for a while, man. 
that's a mature well. Are you hearing me? You get around people, you're like, nah, nah, this. They know Jesus. I listen to preachers like, dude, they know the scriptures. They know Hebrew, but they don't know him. They speak Greek, but they don't know God. I, I'm just telling you, you can know. They, you get around someone that's been with Jesus, they kind of act like him a little bit. They talk like him a little bit. You know, you can tell what people eat by the smell that comes out of their mouth. I can tell what you believe by what comes out of your mouth with your words. Some of you smell like the garlic of the earth. World's going to hell. California's going to hell. It's going to get worse and worse. And church is going to fall apart. We're going to get in caves. We're going to buy a surplus of food and head to the hills, Jethro. The problem with that theology is, is it requires no faith. It's easy to believe it's just going to fall apart. What I found with fasting is when Hezekiah fasted, Ahab, Ahab was married to Jezebel. Ahab was Jezebob. Come on. Ahab, Ahab's wicked. And even a wicked man by the name of Ahab, he fasted. And God, even to a wicked man, goes, I saw your fasting. And I'm going to give you mercy. So the things that you deserve, they're not going to happen in your lifetime. I, I, can, sh I can show you theologically windows of grace that were created by hungry people that were willing to fast for their land. Fasting doesn't change God. It changes us. You hear me today. You know what fasting does? It'll strengthen your prayers. Fasting will help you find God's guidance. Fasting will help some of you deal with grief. Fasting will deliver you and protect you in, in seasons of your life that you need them the most. It's a way of expressing repentance to God and saying, God, this year I'm returning to you. Some of you made some of the worst decisions of your life last year. You know what I would encourage you to do? Start the year off with fasting. Return to God and repent through a fast. Humble yourself before God in the fast. Express your concern for the, the works of God like Nehemiah did in a fast. Nehemiah was a faster. Isaiah was a faster. Ezra was a faster. Samuel was a faster. I can go down the list of the men and women that overcame temptation. Jesus overcame temptation through a fast. And I'm telling you today, some of you, you'll express love and worship. In Luke 2, it says Anna was 80 plus years old, 90 plus years old, and she was worshiping, praying, and fasting. I believe, this is important, that fasting will enlarge your faith. It'll purify your heart, which we all need. And I believe it'll give you a deeper revelation. So many Christians settle with a kindergarten version of revelation of God that they never get anywhere. I mean, we have people in our college that are bragging about basic doctrine. I'm like, guys, it's basic doctrine. This isn't a 401 level doctrine. This is basic. And those college students would be very, very literate compared to most Christians in the body of Christ. We have the most, we have the most knowledge ever available to humanity, but we have the most biblically illiterate generation in history. We own more Bibles and read none of them. And I'm not throwing rocks at you. I'm just saying, when we are off, when we miss it, let's pray, set aside space, let's fast. It'll enlarge our faith. It'll purify our hearts. You still with me today? It'll give you a deeper revelation of God. And here's the last thing it'll do. It'll give you authority. Jesus said, oh, that only happens when you pray and fast. 
You want authority? Some things will only, listen, I'm not, I'm going to make a case of this. Certain miracles we won't see unless we're hungry enough to fast. Let me tell you one thing that fasting is not. Fasting doesn't make God love you more. Can I be very clear on that? Fasting does not make God love you more. The blood of Jesus makes God love you. Are you hearing me today? Jesus, look, we don't fast so God can love us more. We fast so that we can have a pure flow of God in our life. It declogs the pipe of our soul and our spirit. So the last few moments here, how do you fast? Well, there's all types of fasts in the Bible. Some fast 40 days, 40 nights, 21-day fast. There's partial fast. There's, there's one-day fast. There's seven-day fast. There's three-day fast. What, what do you recommend? Well, I would recommend not trying to... Um, speak fluently until you get a sentence in place so if you've never fasted i would maybe try a day fast and it doesn't have to be from when you wake up to when you wake up the next morning it could be like me i'm gonna have the last supper this afternoon this afternoon will be the last supper come on somebody i'm gonna eat lunch today and then i'm gonna seek god this week and so it could be from lunch today to lunch tomorrow so there's full fast which i do not recommend and I would recommend a doctor's assistance if you do a full fast. That's like Esther when she said, hey, we're about to be annihilated. I need you to fast everything. That's water and food, which I don't recommend because you can die if you do that wrong. So, yeah, regular fast, please. Water, drink a lot of water. And I would encourage you to get like good water because a lot of toxins are going to come out. Why do you get hunger pains? I mean, there's a lot of reasons why, but when you fast, you'll start to get headaches, you'll get weak, all those things. I, I think that part of the reason God wired us to actually, um, when we're detoxing, is those pains should remind us what we're pursuing God for. So when you feel the headache, God, I'm, I'm, I'm tolerating this because I'm hungry for this. Does that make sense? So water, and then we're not legalistic here. So if you get weak or you have a meeting at work or you're being a, a really terrible husband or father or, or, or spouse, get some chicken broth. Go, you go to Chick-fil-A, come on somebody, close on Sundays. You go to Chick-fil-A and have them strain the noodles out of the, the, the chicken broth or out of their chicken noodle soup and get some broth in your system or get some juice. Listen to me, it's not law to fast, it's life to fast. So don't get caught up on the religious side of it, like, well, it has to be water for 40 days and 40 nights. Otherwise, I'm not like Jesus. Well, you're not like Jesus for a few other reasons too, okay? Um, so let's just settle that first. Why we're fasting is because we want to get closer to God. We want to declog the pipes, enlarge our faith, purify our heart, fresh revelation, fresh authority. Everyone said amen. Are you still with me today? Is, is this all right? I know it's a hard topic to teach on. I dare you to try to teach on it. Not easy. But here's what I'm saying. This week, we're going to fast. We're going to pray. And then some of you, you're going to fast for, for three days. Some of you, I recommend maybe do three days normal fasting, water or juice for three days. And after three days, maybe transition to a Daniel fast. That would be what they call a partial fast. That you're doing a Daniel fast for 21 days. Daniel only, he didn't eat meat. He didn't drink sweets, and he didn't drink alcohol. Some of you, that would be a good fast. Hello, Orange County, yeah. I've seen the alcohol section in Costco. I'm like, Lord, help us. So I think it'd be good. Some of you, for, for seven days this week, no alcohol, no, no sweets, 
and no meats. And you're like, that's not a big deal. I'm telling you, you go to your favorite restaurant and you order a garden salad with vinegar for dressing, you're suffering. Okay? You feel it. But here's what we're saying. Fasting is not about avoiding food. It's about pursuing God. Fasting is not about avoiding food. That's a diet. Fasting is about taking the time that you would normally eat and pursuing God. What do you pursue God for? Here's the areas. You ready for it? I think that you should spend a day pursuing God for your marriage, if you're married. If you're single, I would be praying and fasting about who you're supposed to be with. Or if you're supposed to be single the rest of your life, get a word. Secondly, if you're here and you go, Mark, I want to fast and pray for my children. If you have kids. If you don't have kids, maybe your parents. Maybe it's an aunt, an uncle. Maybe it's a coworker, a friend. Fast and pray that this will be a year that God will get a hold of people. How about this? Your career, your calling. God, this year, some of you are in uh, lending. Some of you are in real estate. In the market slowing down. Let's believe God that he could give you an idea to find where the water is still flowing. Are you hearing me right now? If we will give God our vocation, he will guide us and bless us. Can I get an amen? And so I think we should pray for our careers and our calling. And I think last thing, I think we should be praying for spiritual awakening in our church, in our city, in our state, in our nation. The Bible says to pray for those that are in authority, that we might live a quiet and a peaceable life. We need to pray for our leaders. By the way, I want you to know the leaders that we have are representation of where we're at spiritually in America. We want righteous leaders. We need a move of God. God, awaken the church so we get some good elected officials. Righteous men, righteous, amen, amen, amen. Stand your feet with me. I know that's a long message. Come on, stay with me. I want to pray for you today. How many feel like something's stirring inside of you right now? You know, I love fasting because it'll actually sensitize you to the desires of God. I love that line. Fasting sensitizes you to the desires of God. Fasting is a sacrifice born out of expectation. It gives you authority. Here's your problem, some of you. Some of you don't know how to tell your flesh nature no. And you know what fasting does? It teaches you to tell your stomach to shut up. Some of you can't say no to bad habits because you've never told your stomach no. But when you get good for three days of saying, no, you're not going to eat stomach, we're, we're going after God. When you can tell your stomach no, you'll be able to say no to lying or stealing or whatever the habit is, cutting. You can say no to your flesh. That's what we do when we fast. We teach our flesh to shut up. Amen? All right. So I want to ask you today, all over the room today, this is just a practical message. Again, this, this isn't a shiny message. This is a very, very rudimentary. This is a square one. You want to be a real Christian? We got to learn how to pray. We got to learn how to give. We got to learn how to fast. It's a tripod. Most Christians live one third of that tripod. Some pray, they don't give, they don't fast. Some give, they don't pray, they don't fast. Some give and pray, but they don't fast. If you will do all three of these every year, you will grow in your walk with God. I know what you want. You want to have vibrant faith. I know what you want. You want to be close to God. I'm telling you, even if you don't like the way we do it, this is how we get it. Amen? So all over the tent, stay. would you close your eyes? Can I ask you a question today? Somebody say, Mark, I feel like God's calling me to get hungry for fasting. Who wants to enlarge your faith this year? Would you put your hand up? Come on, just remind yourself. Break the spirit of pride. Come on. I want to get bigger faith this year. Hands up. Hands down. How many say, Mark, I want to get, I want God to purify 
my mind and my heart. Hands up. Yeah, hands down. Who wants a fresh revelation of God this year? Hands up. Hands down. Who would say, Mark, I would love it if God would give me authority to tell my flesh no and to have authority over sickness, disease, darkness, devils, authority. Hands up. Hands down. If you raised your hand to any of those four, lift your hands towards heaven. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Lord, make me so hungry that I would fast. I want to get hungry for righteousness, for purity, for your word, for your kingdom, that I would be willing to fast. Let it be something that you ask for. If it matters to me, it'll matter to you. So today, choose the fast. I'll do it. I'll follow you. Speak to me. Family, marriage, children, business, church, ministry, revival. Let this week change this year. Prophesy. Come on. Let this week, say it with faith, this week will change this year. In faith, this week will change this year. I sow faith, prayer, fasting, and God will reap big in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I feel it. Come on, give him a hand clap. You believe he's going to do it this year. He's going to do it this year. Yeah, someone right now is going to be healed. Gastroesophical reflux disease. God told me he's healing it. Someone that has issues with your teeth. I think God's, God can even give you a filling in this service. I know it sounds crazy. I've never prayed for that before today. But God told me to pray for that. Epilepsy is going to be healed right now. There's someone in here, you have double vision. God's going to heal you right now. I'm just going to call it as I hear it. Someone's equilibrium is messed up. You have like water behind your ear that's never left. God's going to heal you. Fluid behind the ear that's distorting your equilibrium. God's healing you right now. If I haven't mentioned it or I did, I want you to lift your hands if you need healing today. I need a healing, a gift of healing. Man, I have cancer. I have a disorder. I have, I have depression. I don't care what it is. If you need a touch from God, if you're hungry enough to lift your hands, we're happy to pray for God to move. Lift your hands all over the tent. If someone's hands up next to you, go ahead and find somebody. Put your hand on their shoulder. One person, two people, just put your hand on their shoulder. Come on, everybody, you need to touch from God. Lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands. Don't be shy. This is the place we get prayer. This is the place that God heals. This is the place that miracles happen. This is the place. So right now, all over the tents, with your hand on somebody, pray this prayer, Ocean. Say, Jesus, we come in your name. We're not begging. We're believing that from the top of their head, to the soles of their feet. Evict darkness, evict demons, evict sickness, disorders, diseases. In Jesus' name, we command healing, life, now, in Jesus' name. Live and not die. Live and not die. In Jesus' name, healing, now. In Jesus' name. Come on, Lord, we just thank you right now. You're doing something right now. Doing something right now. Who believes he's doing something even right now? Some of you physically feel it. Some of you don't feel it at all. It doesn't matter if you feel it or not. We, we, we fight by faith. We fight the good fight of faith. We believe even when we do not see. Last thing we do today, if you're here and you go, Mark, I'm not living for Jesus and with Jesus. 
I want to give my life to God today. Maybe you believe in him, but you're not surrendered to him today. You know, the devil believes that Jesus is real, but he hasn't surrendered his will to him. Maybe you're here today and you believe in Jesus, but you have never surrendered your life to him. Today's the day. Some of you got off track. Today you got to rededicate your life to God. There was many last service, many at San Juan. Last week we had over 40. There's many here today. You know you're not living with God and for him. Some of you, your identities of being an atheist, and God says that's a terrible identity to have. My life is bigger than what you thought it was. God will take you places you can never take yourself. He'll take you higher than your intellect will ever take you. Today's the day that you bow your knee, surrender your heart, and God will move in. This is the day of salvation. I'm not going to embarrass you. The only thing I'm going to ask you to do is raise your hand. If you need to rededicate your life to God or for the first time say, God, I come surrendering to you. I want you to be the God of my life. I'm going to ask, I'm going to count to three. I'm asking everybody to close their eyes. If you're online, you're going to write heart right now, H-E-A-R-T. If you're in the tents, you're going to raise your hand. I'll give you three seconds. Your heart's starting to speed up right now. Yeah, it's like beating out of your chest, Bill, right now. I thank you that God, whether it's Bill, I pray, whoever, Sandy, I, I pray right now that God, this will be the day that we would rededicate, first time put our faith in you. God, heal them even as they respond to you in Jesus' name. Go ahead and start putting your hands up. I'm going to count. No one's looking. Eyes are closed. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just raise your hand. I pray three seconds, Lord. Give them the courage to respond right now. One, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Two, if you need to get right with God, this is your time. This is your window. Three, real high. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. I see five over here. Real high, real high, real high. Real high. Keep it up. Six, seven. I see you real high. Eight, nine, ten. Real high. I see 11, 12. Anybody else? 13 in the back. Anyone else? So good. I counted them. 13 at least. At least 13. Hey, Oceans, let's pray with those even online. Right heart right now. H-E-A-R-T. I don't even care if you're watching this message like months after it was, it was preached. Respond now. God lives outside of time. We pray right now with all those that raised their hands. Pray this together. Say, Jesus, I come to you believing that you're God and that you can forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Remove the darkness of my life. Fill me with you. Heal me, lead me, guide me from this day forward. Catch this last part. Speak to me as I read the Bible. Plant me in a healthy local church and give me friends that'll show me your ways. In Jesus Christ's name.